0: All right guys, welcome to the Willie Robertson podcast. A lot to talk about today. Um uh as always, I've got my sloppy assistant, uh Johnny D with me, who is now gluten-free for a week.
1: Um, I'm a, a week in on a 2-month bet, and I'm also miserable. He's so miserable.
0: You're a, you're a week in, right? I'm
1: with this is day 7,
0: and I have no, day, uh, eight.
1: day 8. It sucks either way.
0: So we're going to be talking about uh, politics. Uh, politics is in the air. So I brought in my uh, resident uh, guy that knows more about politics than anybody else that I know, Mr. Reed Dickens. from Reed, are you in uh, Los Angeles? I am. Morning, guys. What's up? Uh, see, he says morning. It's already afternoon. Uh, Reed just uh, recently moved from Austin, Texas, back out to L.A., so he gets out of the rat race and then they just pull him right back. I didn't in. know that, Reed. He didn't know he moved in. Reed, <laughs> he's you back. never told me you left he's Austin? He's back. He's got some businesses going and uh, so they're back yeah. out there. So he's going to be a little bit harder to track down. But luckily we have telephones and uh, John D is gluten free. Uh, we went to deer camp last weekend, uh, Reed, and I took Johnny D with me uh, to assist. Uh, I, I had one job for him I make sure that we get a dough um, so we could have meat because I was. Chasing bucks, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And uh, Johnny D failed miserably in that. And then, but he he Failure. he ended up with this. The owner of the lodge is gluten free. They have a late night bet to where he's going to be gluten free for two months. Two. At the end of one month, he gets a thousand dollars from the guy. At the end of two months, he gets to shoot any deer on the property he wants to shoot. So it was a good bet, solid bet. Johnny D wakes up, tells me about the bet we're all excited for him within 20 minutes <laughs> he walks by I'm eating wheat thins and he grabs one and eats it so he literally makes it an hour and, and it technically it, it says wheat on the box technically 8 hours <laughs> well he's most of that he slept so he goes and uh uh uh, cause for repentance uh, and the guy actually added on one day and let him so that day ended up a warm up day because
1: it was weird <laughs> but the next day I grabbed a starburst and I was about to just throw it in my mouth like I do everything else negative and I said hold on I need to google something then I just got pissed and threw the starburst in a trap <laughs> I'd already unwrapped it Can't <laughs> so, starburst it sounds like
2: it sounds like you have what I I have had a bad case of
0: hand to mouth disease it sounds like you have hand to mouth disease Oh, he I, I knew he I said he'll never make it because he got. he's like a shop back. He just like any kind of food laying around he just it's like laying an around ant eater eating ants. He just
1: Well I don't want so, it to go bad and So he
0: comes in out. this morning and he's all depressed because he finds out that cream of mushroom soup is has gluten in it. So the soup my wife is cooking tonight.
1: Ouch!
0: Oh man. So he's he's been miserable. Which luckily I've been hunting a lot, so I haven't seen him as much. I've eaten
1: Waffle House just eggs, bacon, hash browns. Pretty how
0: much. do you even go to Waffle? You get eggs, you bacon, get and hash browns by walking in Waffle House, bro. I, I mean that know. stuff's just in the air. <laughs> I don't know. It's eggs, Waffle, the name of
1: it. But if you just eat the eggs, bacon, and hash browns, you're good. Hey
2: Johnny D, you'll be happy to know my lucky boot of yours. Lose,
0: lose free. There you go. Oh, because he said he can't drink beer. Well, I can't drink beer. anything. I can no. Drink you, he just water, said he has a. I can drink beer. water
1: and Reading Dickens beer. Beer. And that's what is it?
0: Little Buddha. Lucky Buddha. Lucky Buddha. I'm sorry.
1: Little Buddha. <laughs> it, it comes. People in a remember bottle, it. They'll remember it now
0: because uh, I, I miss because I it. Well, we had a. Uh, if you didn't know, there was a big presidential debate, the second one last night, and uh, let me tell you the story about me. So. I've got this circled. I have, because I want to talk about it on the podcast, I have to watch this debate. I'm at deer camp, and let's just be honest, a lot of the people that were there are not super big into politics. And they, I, I need, when I'm, I need to focus on this. You know, it's not time for Corey and them are gone. So I was able to, I said, I got to lock in on this, but I was trying to shoot a deer as well. So it gets, we lose daylight about 7.05 is filming time. So, uh i have a buck right there at 703 i'm off safety i'm just fixing to shoot and something spooked them they all run off and and i and the cam, my camera person was like super upset and i said well it's probably the best thing because i gotta go listen to the bait and but i've got to come i've got to drive home an hour and i was like this is perfect um and i don't have xm on that truck so and i was like it's fine i'll watch it on my phone and uh So I got it all set up. I go, I tell everybody, I mean, I'm rushing. I said, God, appreciate it. See you. Heading back to Monroe. So I start burning out. I'm driving. It's right before the debate is started. Uh, I'm unable to pull it up on my phone, but I find it on the radio. Uh, There's like an FM station that actually has the debate on.
1: 105.7. I
0: realized that in my haste, I left my wallet at deer camp, okay, i've got a 50 mile drive my gas tank comes on and says i have 30 miles until i'm out of fuel (laughs) i have no wallet and i'm already past the mendoza i can't go back like if i go back i mean this place is in the middle of the woods there are not many gas stations so i stop in the little town of grayson louisiana pull up to the gas station And now I'm just, all I gotta do is find enough money to put gas in my truck, which typically there's money everywhere in my truck. There's like tens and fives and, oh no, no, my trusty man who, uh, cleans my truck out, uh, he does a great job. There was $1.37 in my truck. And I'm like, there's no way a $1.35 is gonna get me enough fuel. With your trucks, that's like five miles. So I am now, okay. Let me just say that my hair's in a ponytail. My face is as black as night. I have face. I still have my face paint on from hunting. So I'm walking around the parking lot, realizing I'm going to have to bum money to get myself back home. So, so, but I have a. I I did have a deer head in the back of my truck, and so two old boys pull up and they look and they go, "Hey, hey, man!" I said, "Hey." So they recognize me. I'm like, "Great, hey." Did you shoot that deer? I said, yeah, I got this deer. And we started talking. I said, boys, let me tell you something. I'm in a bond. I don't have any money. And he said... Do you need some gas money? I was like, that would be very <laughs> appreciated at this point. So he says, Hey, I got a credit card. So he puts his credit card. in. so he's probably, he gets about 10 bucks. I said, That's good. And he said, oh, I'll at least get you 20, Mr. Willie. <laughs> I was like, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. So I get in my truck and I'm thinking, what can I give this guy? Cause I'll never see this person for the rest of my life. And I was like, He just literally got me home. The debate is going and I'm dying. Like I'm trying to be all super friendly. But then again, I'm missing the debate. And so, I reach back there. I have a brand new three hundred dollar Under Armour jacket camouflage that is not out of the package yet because it's warm still. I, don't know I threw that kid that jacket. And I said, "There you go. There's a trade for it." And I mean, look on his face. I was like, you know, he's told everybody he's got like I just got, for twenty dollars. I got three hundred fifty dollars for twenty
2: dollars. You could have probably gotten away with a selfies with it.
0: Well he no, he was not he was not anticipating me giving him either. I'd gotten in my truck and just thought what could I give him like one of my arrows or could I give <laughs> him something <laughs> all I had was hunting stuff and then I remember John did put a box of hunting clothes in there for the year and <laughs> jacket's gone. And it's about you know, it's eighty degrees, so I didn't need a big jacket and so I and I have enough jackets, so I chunk in the jacket and then so as I'm driving home, I'm listening. It was odd. I was listening to on the radio, so I didn't get to see facial expressions. But if you missed the first 30 minutes, I mean, that was, whoo it was, it was bad. Then Corey calls. I'm like, Corey, I can't talk right now. I'm trying to listen to this debate. And I get home. I roll into my TV, and my TV doesn't work. So I have to find a small TV, and I watch the rest of it on this small TV. But uh, uh, <laughs> it was it, it was the quest to watch this debate while so I was driving. So
2: you didn't call me for analysis; you just need to hear about the debate.
0: No, well, I mean, I watched enough, and then I've watched the analysis, and uh, kind of. I mean, I heard the, the there was a little, few little pieces and parts uh, that I missed of the debate, but most of it. Uh, I did, I was able to uh, ingest, and I was racing home really because I have to film today, and, then, and I don't have internet at this hunting camp, and when I download my email, I'm not even on today, I'm off all day, and so uh, it's an interview day, and I've already done mine, so now I'll be driving, now i got to go get my wallet. <laughs> so, so i got to drive all the way back down there i am going to hunt this afternoon hopefully i can make it happen and get my wallet but uh, that was my story about getting into just to watch the debate but uh but there were some things that i i certainly uh wanted to talk about and i, I want to start off by because i've had a lot of people ask me uh about this tape and uh, what was i was it came out i guess last weekend and i was hunting and i i missed the whole thing i didn't even realize what had happened, and so I I listened to it, and uh, oh man, it was just no, no, that was, yeah, it was this weekend. And um uh, so I listened to it, uh, because one of the guys at Hunt Camp said, Did you hear what Trump said? And, um, it was kind of like, well, I'm used to that, like with my father, like, Did you hear what Phil said? And I'm like, Oh no, what did he say? Uh, Phil's are not like that, but they're sometimes they're odd, and uh, I listened to it, and I mean, I just cringed. I was like, Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, you can't. So I've thought about the situation because uh, I'm a believer, and um, I just heard Mike. Did you hear Mike Pence uh, read a while ago? Um, yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, and so I watched his, and I, I've, I've, I'm, my thoughts are similar to that. Although I don't know where Mr. Trump is uh, spiritually in his life, I certainly uh, looks like eleven years ago, whatever I, I knew where he was at. But I, I didn't. It didn't surprise me. I mean, because he's alluded to that, and people have talked about kind of where he was, and so. Um, so I, I hopefully there will be a day coming where I get to sit down and talk to him uh, really about the gospel, about how I see it and sin and all that. And uh, But then again, I'm faced with myself, and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I mean, I haven't said particularly that, but, I mean, you know, my, our minds, I mean, things we think, I mean, you know, we're all sinners, and we, you know, we need redemption, you know, and we need, that's why Christ came, you know, is to pay for those sins. And... The, the context that he's in i'm not sure again where he's at spiritually i know he says he's a christian but i'm not uh, sure where exactly he's at but what i wanted to, what i thought about was actually billy bush and and i know him and have, he's interviewed me a couple of times and and i like him but then i thought about being in that situation i thought what would i have said like if because people have said stuff you know not I mean, like that. You know, they say things that are ugly. What do you say? Do you you know? Is that? Do I make my stand there? Do I? And I thought so many times I have it. You know, I just kind of shrug and go, "Yeah." You know, I mean, you're you're in that situation. And then I was I was thinking, I hope I could say, you know, take that thing right there and maybe turn it into something positive. But I got to admit, I've been in the same position that Billy Bush is in, and I haven't said anything. You know, and or sometimes you kind of go, you know, you get in these weird situations. Thought about. I think a lot, probably everybody's been in those situations um, where somebody starts saying stuff, and you're like, man, I'm, you know. Now, there have been times I've just laughed. I'm like, man, I this is not what I'm hanging out with. Um, so that just kind of struck me about him because he got pulled in this thing too, and there he is going along with it. And and I would hope that I would have the strength to say something at that point, just say, look, man, we don't need to be. And, I, you know, and I've done that. some but i'd I'd like to be better at that to make sure that i um you know i've done that i remember um i'm not gonna say any names but (laughs) i remember uh i was on a, a a show one time and there was an attractive actress on that show as well and so i did the show and everybody was texting me like hey i saw you on the show and one of my friends uh who i won't say who he is and he said man how hot was that girl you know on that show and i didn't know what to say this is a text message right and i didn't know how to respond i didn't at the time i wasn't gonna give a whole paragraph about you know how i'm happily married yeah she's and i just said yep (laughs) so the next morning (laughs) my wife is uh using my phone to because hers is dead and she's standing over the bed looking at me saying what exactly is yep to how hot that person was so we had about a two hour intense conversation about why did i say yeah and it was not a pleasant conversation and so uh what i hate a, about i do
2: almost an, that's almost an hour per letter <laughs>
0: Very, very observative read. It was. It was very intense. And, I, there, I mean, you You know, you see these crawfish in Louisiana. It was me trying to explain sheepishly what I just, I didn't even, I didn't generate the, t- I didn't even want to hear that. I didn't want to go there. And so, and I thought about, I'm sure Billy Bush was having this thing. I. What I hate is, I hate what he said. I hate the thought. I hate thinking about women like that. And I just hate sin itself. I don't hate Donald Trump. I just hate when sin comes out, not just in him, but in all of us. And I hate that. And I, I want to try my best to for people to not say things like that or think things like that. Uh, it's so worldly and it's so bad. And Mr. Trump did apologize, and I'm glad he apologized. But, uh, but I would like to see more of the spiritual because I can only deal with that as a Christian. It's the only perception that I have. I don't have any other perception. So... Uh, as a Christians what do we do? And you know, oftentimes um you know we have to deal with that. I led a uh, we were actually out at uh deer camp and we were there Sunday hunting and we had a little what I call a church. Uh we had a little church service there and um that I started I was I was just talking about the family there and they had been I brought them to the Lord a couple of years ago and we were just talking about how joyous it is that they're still you know love the lord and change your whole mind and perspective well there were some other people there that just happened to be out there and uh it was a couple that were engaged and i look up and i see this guy about 10 minutes into it he's bawling bawling crying and i was getting i was like oh keep it together man because i he was making me i don't know what he's crying for and i look at the fiance and she's bawling and i'm giving this lesson so i get through with the lesson i said well guys i'll be around the rest of the day and then i'm heading home tonight to watch the debate but if anybody's got any questions or anything just kind of opened up so about 10 minutes later uh they came and said can we meet with you and uh so i met with them and they were just uh really impacted by the message by the word not by me i'm just a messenger uh i don't have the message and um and they said we, we think we want to you know we want to change our lives like what you talked about and so yesterday at about one o'clock in the afternoon uh, i baptized both of them uh, out there in the lake and uh their lives are changed forever they're from iowa and um so i'm looking forward to that journey but that's the kind of things that i want to see not these uh bus talks you know where we're talking ugly so uh re what was your when you heard it um were you shocked were you i mean i know you're i know you're the man that people bring in to to get to fix stuff like that once they've said stuff, yeah. or done stuff. So, so it's it's really interesting you bring up
2: uh, the the spiritual lens because what what I struggle with is p- people ask me frequently for a political analysis or because I you know when I left the White House I ran a crisis management firm for a few years and so they'll ask me from a media crisis perspective or a political or they'll ask me for a political view. Uh, and sometimes I'll give a political answer about what I think the political outcome or net effect politically will be. Right. And then they'll immediately respond with a spiritual answer. And I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't ask me for a spiritual <laughs> perspective. You asked me for a media perspective. Mm-hmm. So when I, I gave a talk last night in Beverly Hills, and my talk was a challenge to people. I encouraged and challenged this group of CEOs to separate out... In your mind, four distinct questions. And it, I think it applies to the video as much as the, to the election in general. And because usually when people ask me about the election, they're blurring these four questions together and it kind of catches me in a trap every single time. Right. And so the first question is, who do I think is going to win? Right? That's just a handicapping question. The second question is, who should win? And that's a moral question. Who deserves to be president? And then the third question is, who do I want to win? Which is really more of an emotional question. And then the fourth question is, who am I going to vote on? And that's just a practical, rational question. And so with this video, that was kind of my reaction, as I tried to separate it into those silos and say, okay, obviously I've said a lot of stupid things, and, and just like you, Willie, I've been in situations where I participated in conversations I wish I wouldn't have. I've said stupid things, but as, you know, once you have daughters, I wouldn't say that I've arrived at any destination, uh, but I definitely have come a long way. Uh, just having daughters changes the way you see the world. Yeah. Um, and and when people talk about young girls or talk about women, I, I immediately think, well, what if that was my daughter? Um, and so that's kind of one bucket. And then the other question, you know, the other bucket is, well, is this going to have any political impact? You know, what is this going to do to the race? And I feel like sometimes when I answer that question, it feels like I'm being insensitive to the moral implications or to the overall uh, values of the question. So I, I think, to sort of separate, that was a lined up for a slow pitch. When I first heard the, vi- the videotape, I think, obviously, I cringe like everyone else um, at kind of the, to hear the objectification uh the way they were talking about the women even if you've been in those conversations before and regret it when you hear it on tape i had a friend of mine who used to be a producer at msnc and he was saying yesterday seeing or hearing something on tape is fundamentally different than just reading about it right. and so obviously it was cringeworthy um just the the impl- just to hear it and then politically my reaction was you know in former election cycles in previous election cycles a piece of tape that compelling would drive the news cycle for a month. But I happen to know that with Donald Trump, the only thing he has to do to make that video stop playing on a loop on the media is to create another piece of tape even more compelling. And he did that in the first 10 minutes of the debate last night. Uh, I almost called PETA because it was like a baby seal clubbing. Um, I mean, he was just bludgeoning bludgeoning her for the first 15 minutes. And I think he actually created a piece of media that was more compelling than that. Type. And so on a politi- from a political perspective, I actually, if he loses, I don't think it's going to be because of that.
0: No, I, I totally agree. I, I'm the same way. And, and you see that, I think, with, with people. It's not that we didn't know. I think you're right, man. That To hear it and was just painful. If you go back to, like, Clinton, we all heard the stories, right? You heard the stories. And that poor that that video clip of uh, Monica Lewinsky in the little beret that one they had what well, they had there's like a couple of seconds of them together. How many times did they get run? I mean, over and over and over. But can you imagine if there was something you know recorded or or that we would have heard over and over? It would have been different. So uh, seeing that, so when you see that, it would have changed, would have changed the course of history. It really would have. I mean, and so um, which is the overall? I mean, initially, in which he certainly went there in the debate but i couldn't help but think well wait a minute i don't understand the extent like like we had a guy governing our country and by all means he i mean he, even i think republicans will say he did some things that were you know a lot of things that were positive I mean, he's a very popular president budget. he's still a popular we all know those things about him and He's still super popper. The speech he gave at the convention uh, was the last time when Romney. I mean, that was one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I was like, "That you talk about a pro when he when he wrote." Remember because it was they were kind of leaking all. Obama's leaking all. Clinton comes in and just I mean, like an artist just starts painting a picture up there. I remember his it line. Was like,
2: his, line uh, his line he used over and over. That speech was.
0: It's not personal. It's mathematics. <laughs> I mean, just. He was like a preacher, but a lot of, I mean, it was just one of the, it was one of the best things I've ever had. I'm I'm not a Democrat, but I was like, wow, that blew me away. Just the way he came in there and then there you go, Obama wins. So, but I don't understand the stand. I'm like, well, if that horrifies you, then, then why, why is Bill Clinton out on the stump every day? Like, well, well, yeah, I'm I'm like, what, what exactly horrified, because he, he did these things and I, and, and and when and Trump says I talked about him he did it let's face it I think they were both talking into it you know there was stuff going on I mean <laughs> you can't you know I mean so I, I just didn't quite understand you know I was like uh, what value? i mean I get it if that, if you don't want to have anything to do with a person like that I get it okay if you don't want forgiveness or redemption or, or you've messed up or I've never done anything like that I get that but you do have to go over and say well then I don't like Bill Clinton either, because to my knowledge, I don't know if Bill Clinton ever said, you know what, I just was a sorry human being. I mean, I, I don't remember that speech. You know, like I'm the worst guy. Ever, you know, I beg for forgiveness from. Well, no, he, he went on.
2: He went on Oprah and said that every mistake he made was because he didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> um, that, so, Willie, here, here's an interesting. I think an interesting dynamic is that. You see everyone on both sides, Republican, Democrat, and even media, uh, playing a game of gotcha, right? right? Like, you know, well, Bill Clinton did worse than this. And they say, well, aha. Huh? They say, well, when Bill Clinton did it, you said that there shouldn't be somebody like that in the White House. And now you're saying it's okay for someone like that in the White House. And so everyone's going in circles right. playing this game of gotcha, when really what I think is that in politics, if something comes out, that's inconsistent with what people already think about you, then it's game-changing. If something comes out that's consistent with what people already have baked into their calculus, people already have it baked into their calculus that Hillary Clinton can look into the camera and lie effortlessly. So if a story came out saying Hillary Clinton lied about something, I don't think it changes one person's book. Donald Trump has never portrayed himself as anything other than a proud womanizer. In his own biography, he wrote in his own words how he slept with many, 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 many models and many actresses. Right. And so he's been. You can say he's a moron, but you can't say he's a hypocrite. Right. Um So I, this is not something that's shocking, that I think changes the way people think about him. Right. If if Donald Trump's uh, you know treatment of women is baked into your calculus about Donald Trump, you're probably not voting for him anyway.
0: Right. Well, I, you know, and but there may be some. uh, There's, I think there may be some people that were, just when they heard it, they just can't get past it. At least that's what they're saying, in the in the rawness of it. You know, it's raw. It's it's you know that's why I think a lot of those Republicans that jumped ship, I I I would have thought just wait. I mean, wait till the debate. Wait and see what he said. You know, before you jump. It reminded me of. uh, It did remind me a lot of like we went through the thing with A&E when Phil and it was like this immediate jump and then a week later everybody calms down and then you realize like wait man what what did we just do like we just said Phil's not going to be on the show that's not going to work and so and then we all you know had a kumbaya and everything worked out uh, okay but it was like in that initial heated moment and that you know people start jumping and saying what the heck whenever I decided that I like Trump and I was gonna go with him and I went and met with him and I talked to him and I knew when I when I loaded that wagon up I knew there was gonna be a lot of baggage on there. I already knew that. Like I knew I was like I know this guy has not been uh the most moral guy that but I hold again in my Christian lens I always hold hope. I don't throw anybody out in the garbage and say that person's not, you know, worth anything because Somebody didn't give up on my father, and at 28 years old, years old, he turned his life around. If you had video and stuff, he said, "Oh, you know, it would certainly probably keep him out of the presidency." So, which he he, he's doing that on the on the daily. (laughs)
1: What what I'm saying is, he's a
0: bad guy. Uh, somebody saw something in him. He was able to come around and redeem himself. It, and I feel that way for everybody. Uh, really, everybody. I mean, there's, uh, the Bill Clinton the same way. I don't, you know, I, I there's, I have something in me that loves people and says, hey, I'm, you know. And then again, I look at my own life and I'm like, who am I? Who do I think I am to jump up on my moral high horse and say that I'm better than, you know, because I have done and thought and, just, you know, things that are not, you know very godly of what i want my life to be and so again all i can do is try to get to people and maybe teach them some things that i've learned or teach them something from the bible and so i have hope you know that that i that i'm able to do that and give that christian perspective uh uh to people and i think christians need to think about it. i couldn't you know and it, it you know when you're talking about things especially the reason this was so big was because it was about sex, and sex always trumps everything. I mean, people—that's what you know—we talk about, and because on its base level, everybody, you know, you get everybody knows about that, and everybody knows the, the stuff he's saying. So it's such a big deal, and inevitably, read it—it it goes to morality, and it goes to spirituality, because those are connected. You know, we're talking about something yeah. that's sinful. And, and, and I think it's interesting um,
2: I've been really trying to work through this with a lot of my family and friends. Some people, and I, and I'm actually not even taking, taking a side here. Um, I have, I think I can, I, 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 was in the, you know, you heard me talk about, I was in the Oval Office, one of the last people in the Oval Office on the night of September 11th. And I've seen the pressure sitting on a president's shoulders and how the presidency only has a few, the role of the presidency is something I'm very, um, obsessed with, that it's got a very narrow role. And it only really matters in a few moments every eight years. And so when you're looking at the presidency through the lens of kind of the chief executive of a 20 trillion dollar economy and of a multi-front war, uh, and moving us into a new, you know, a new era, uh, or some people look at the president as a really moral leader of the country. And so if you look at the presidency through the lens of, uh, uh, we're a Christian nation and we want to have a moral leader, I think that's difficult because, you know, in a democracy, you're, you're, the president's supposed to represent the majority of the people and supposed to represent everyone. And the, the truth is, if you're going to have emergency heart surgery, you don't ever stop and say, hey, is this guy a born-again Christian? <laughs> exactly. um, you just go into the hospital because you want the guy who's done 150 surgeries a week for the last 15 years. Right. And I think when you're interviewing someone to be the chief executive of the country and, and, kind of, and the commander-in-chief, um, you hope that they have moral courage. You hope that they have moral compass. You hope that they set a good example on the world stage and for your children. Um, but at the end of the day, ultimately you have to decide who's going to make tough decisions when those few key moments come. And so it's it's difficult for someone I know my mom and dad have a very hard time. I talked to my mom and this with Julicio, have a very hard time separating out the qualifications of the candidate uh versus what do I think about them spiritually? And, that, and that's, that's very difficult for some people.
0: Right. Well, and why do we limit ourselves to say somebody can't uh, have a, become a, either become closer to the Lord or grow spiritually or by all means give their life to God before, during, you know, even in why you are have a job as President of the United States? I have a feeling Donald Trump has been around more Christian people in the last 14 months than he's been in his entire life. And so, um, and people influence people. And so these are the people that uh, that he's having meetings with regularly, like Ben Carson and people that I know and I know are godly people. And uh, I think you're exactly right. I I use a, a different uh, analogy of that, like heart surgery. It's like uh, right now my family's uh, traveling, uh, my wife, my kids. And let's say God forbid a gunman comes in and they're shooting up the place, which happens all the time in America. And there's a, a police chief or something that rolls in there. And at that point in time, I don't care. He may have said something very similar to that. I could care less at that moment in time. I want him to get my family to safety out of there and we'll deal with whatever his morality is at a different point in time. And so... um it's the same idea. It's like, are you qualified to run the country? Because if we look backwards, Reed, we see it over and over again that people didn't exactly have uh, uh, the the moral compass maybe that we would like. But you see them in different periods of time when you it, you almost can't see any other thing that would you said change the world of history by some of the moves they made. When you think about World War II, when you think about the Civil War, when you think about these these periods in our history where great men made great decisions—how moral were they? Yeah. I mean, you read well, yeah, about I some think, of them; think, they're not there you know they ain't exactly you know uh, teaching Bible class. And in fact, the, probably the last Bible class teacher that we had was Jimmy Carter. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, well, no. exactly. I mean, so you know. Even Ronald Reagan, I mean, he had some weird, you know, there's some weirdness. Yeah, right, well, I was sure. just
2: about to say there's a couple examples that, that stand out and because since I didn't know Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> I won't go back that far. But but Ronald Reagan, you know, his wife was consulting sorcerers, and, you know, he said he was basically afraid of anyone who used the term born again, and that's probably a little different than the way you think, right? And then there's right. also um, uh, the better example is John F. Kennedy. John F. Uh-huh. Kennedy was not known for being what uh, – Doc Holliday would call an oak. Um but <laughs> nice yes in reference. the moment that mattered in the Cuban Missile Crisis when the whole world was on the brink of nuclear war, it scares me to death to think that Richard Nixon may have been president. Um wow. so I, I definitely think God puts in the right people for the right moments.
0: That's right. And so now let's go all the way back. You can go all the way back to um, even the the people that we base our whole, entire lives off of in the Bible and good grief. You know, you talk about some, some dandies there, you know, all the way back to King David and even Peter and Paul and all these people that we literally, the words they wrote or the words that were written about them technically um, – and their lives and what they lived when Jesus Christ was on the earth, even before Jesus Christ, going back to all the Jewish history, uh, these people are not, you know, I mean, they were flawed people, and God used people that were flawed. And uh, uh, and when Jesus came, he had a bunch of flawed people around him. Uh Uh, I can't help but bring up, and I bring this up all the time, because it helps me cope with my life whenever I screw up, and I'm like, what What was I thinking? To think that the Apostle Peter, who ran around with Jesus for three years of his life, dropped everything he had, (laughs) literally on a bank of the Sea of Galilee, dropped everything and said, I'm just going to follow you. Why? Because he said, follow me. And he follows him for three years, and at the moment of Jesus' death right before he's going to die. And in fact, they looked at each other. Peter denied three times they even knew him. And I always just think, like, how in the world do you pick yourself up from that? You you left everything you had, your entire life, your livelihood, your family, everything, and follow this guy. Then you denied even knowing him, which Jesus had predicted he would do that. And it said he wept bitterly. And I think as human beings, that's the human experience that we have when you mix that in with something godly. God works in mysterious ways, and so when I see somebody come along like Donald Trump, and I think hmm, I can either choose right now, I have two choices. I don't have, you know. So I tell my wife, Corey, there's nobody else. There's no, <laughs> there's no way Ben Carson's not gonna ride back in on a, you know, a pony and say I'm here and I can fix this. There's no, it's this is where we're at. And so now, I think Jeb
2: Bush still has about eighty million in the bank. <laughs>
0: that's exactly right there's nobody else i i am assured i thought wow is this god working in a way when i see mike pence and i hear the words he says and that's more aligned with how i am and um uh of where he is these are people that are going to influence people and so and i know the trump family well i know the kids in fact i was you know um talking to one of them today you know just about the whole thing, because I'm, I'm ramped up. I told you I, <laughs> I said I'm fixing to get on a plane and go meet up because I just want to be there and talk and try to uh, give something and pour myself out and try to help. Um, but watching the debate, I do think you saw, um, yeah, we've got we've got two flawed people in different ways. So now i got to think about the country. Uh, i got to think about the next people that are sitting on the Supreme Court of this country. i got to think about uh, the economy of this country. The safety of this country, the safety of the world with ISIS and all this, and we have to make a decision on who exactly do we want, you know, leading that ship. And so, and a lot of these things came up in the debate. And, um, I mean, I thought he gave, I mean, I thought, I mean, I think he won the debate. I mean, Hillary yeah, just looks think- like she's done put it on cruise control. They had the big jewel in their crown. It was almost like, uh, Uh, lord of the rings you know they had my precious they had this story and i gotta say another thing that makes me mad reed (laughs) who is sitting there with this stuff if you have this you telling me that's not some kind of calculated thing where you're going to drop somebody is sitting there for years with this thing saying you just wait and we're going to hold this i don't like that either if you've got something something's over here drop it out let's see what it is let's you know I would have liked to have known all this stuff. And it just, it makes me sick. It, either side, it would make me sick to think that you just held something. <laughs> some I mean, this goes through Hollywood. I mean, I don't know how that stuff gets out. You may have a better knowledge, but somebody gives it to somebody like, we're going to hold this out, and then we're going to drop the bomb on it. You know, it just, uh that's the sliminess of politics that I just can't stand. Well, and I,
2: I think politics is a reflection of culture, and I, I think uh You know, the October surprise has always been kind of a built-in part of politics. Um, We didn't get to talk about the VP debate. I just want to touch briefly on the fact that everyone likes to say VP debates don't matter. Um, I think this—I don't know if you guys remember the Sarah Palin Saturday Night Live skit where she would talk and then she would look over at the camera and say, I'm going rogue, and she was, like, secretly talking to the camera. I think that if Mike, Mike Pence, he basically winked at the country that night and said, "Guys, I got this the control." Right? <laughs> um, he he acted like a grown up. I think if if Mike Pence and Ivanka would have just like a secret press conference and be like, "Guys, he's going to be playing golf. We got this." Like, <laughs> um, I think <laughs> it would actually move the needle. Um, Mike Pence really showed himself to be composed and calm and a and a and a grown up. And I think it actually does make a difference. Um, you know, when Donald Trump, one of my friends was the chief strategist for uh, the uh, the pack for John Kasich. And you know it's been reported widely that Trump basically offered Kasich all of domestic policy and all of foreign policy, and as I say in my speeches, otherwise known as running the whole world, right? So, so Trump hasn't shown a lot of interest in actually operating the company, uh, the country. He actually just kind of wants the title, and so I think Mike Pence actually mattered, and I think that debate actually
0: mattered, and I think he made a really positive impact for Trump. Oh, I do too, I, and I love that debate. I, Pence was just a, a pro every time. It, just his facial expressions. <laughs> He's like looking at this guy, like, and how he would bring that down, and just say, "You, you know, what are you talking about?" And that guy, I, I've asked uh, people uh, probably four. people, There were two sitting there I was watching it with who were uh, millennials who just you know kind of happened to be in my house because I cooked that night, and everybody, every person was like. This other guy, they don't even know his name. This other guy gets on my nerves, and it. And for me, it's the same way. I just, I kept. I, it was like uh, I wanted just to turn the channel because I was so sick of listening to him saying the same thing over and over and over. And I thought Pence was brilliant in how he, how he spoke well, so and his ideas. It was hurt. like that's the guy that I want. This other guy, who I didn't really dislike, uh, came before. I didn't dislike him. I thought, well, he's he's better than Hillary. Uh, but after hearing that, I was like, "Oh, man, nah, I can't stand this guy." Just so, so one
2: one of the one of the call, one of the hallmarks of leadership, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, but um, one of the hallmarks of leadership is that people don't often remember the facts. Uh, in fact, there's lots of evidence to show over the last 40 years of televised debate that the facts don't really matter that much. Uh, people just remember how they how you make them feel. Right. So Mike Pence was in an impossible situation because the things that Kane was asking him to defend. Uh, the quotes that Trump had said, everyone knew were not defensible. So when you're put in a position where you have to defend the indefensible, um, you, he actually did a really admirable job of just ignoring the questions. I always called it, when I used to train CEOs, I used to call it dismiss, pivot, punch. He dismissed it, pivoted, and punched home his message. And the message that I thought he punched through over and over, is that I understand that he shouldn't have said that, and so I'm just gonna I'm gonna convey that by my body language and my silence, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to keep trying to communicate that that we've got this under control and that I know how to. You know, he's been a a, um, a government official at every level of government, so anyway, I just thought Mike Pence did a fantastic job. I wanted to touch on that.
0: Oh no doubt, and um, well, I thought it was uh, uh, I think these kind of conversations read are going on all across our country today and um i've seen more interest uh, uh my wife sent a photo of the kids they were all on this tour uh the Liberal original tour and all my kids are got their cell phones watching the debate and uh which is it that's that's i never would have dreamed that my children would be that interested and so um i think it's although everybody's kind of today like oh this is so horrific but it's the political system people are interested and people are Wanting to know and, and make changes and so and people are talking about um, God and godly stuff and sin and how do we deal with this so you know um, you know whatever happens uh you know Donald Trump will never be able to change his past. He can change uh you know his life and he can uh, become a Christian. He can be forgiven of all these things. Uh can't change what happened. You're not gonna take it away. This whole gotcha thing. It's it's everybody's just Wanting that one thing and then try to destroy somebody's life—it's not just in politics; it's in everything. I mean, it's it's every—it's that moment, you know, where you show—it's that moment to where you show that you're actually a human being and that we're flawed and we're weak, you know. I mean, that's not that uh, uh, people, you know, at that point in time, it doesn't surprise me when people who aren't really Christian people do things that are unChristian. I, I have Christian people that come to me and they're like, "Can you believe?" That? I'm like, "Well, yeah, of course, I I would expect." I would expect I don't expect godliness out of somebody who's not godly, you know, and so uh that's what God does is work in this and hopefully the what he calls the fruits of the spirit of your life come out, which is love and joy and peace and patience and all these things flow out of there and then and right before he gives you a list of examples of uh the acts of the simple nature and which stuff like that's included. Uh the first one's usually sexual morality. So um that's us as human beings and I think, you know, uh, playing this way, we gotta. Uh, that's been my whole thing. It's sep- well, how, when do you separate, you know, these ideas? And I, I said this earlier months ago, and I think on a podcast. And I said it's Christians' job to lead people to Christ. It's not some government official or some mayor. I'm with you. I would hope that they uh, have that. Some people say they have to have that. Although I can prove in our past, we haven't had that. And yet, give us a space in America. Christian people have space to practice their religion, to bring other people to the Lord, and we can do it while we're being safe, and hopefully we have a nice bridge to drive over as we go to church. And that's a separate thing, and I, I just I don't understand people that want... What do you want? A guy? You want a preacher that's the president? Because I don't think that's the Well, you know, Willie, really one of
2: my favorite pastors says often, and I think it's a really wise nugget for people to think of in terms of their decision-making paradigm, is he says that you know when Jesus came to, <laughs> to earth, he didn't try to reform government. He tried to change hearts. Mm-hmm. He didn't attack the government leaders. He attacked the church leaders. Right? right? And so I think that's a good lesson for everyone when choosing a president, is that it's not really a president's role to be the pastor-in-chief.
0: Right. And I would be glad. I would, I would love it. I love hearing Mike Pence uh, say things about his faith. However, there's people in this country who hate that. They hate Christians, which is fine. I mean, they don't want to kill them, and this, I mean, but they don't like Christianity. Maybe they're a different religion. Maybe they're atheists. They don't want to hear about over and over about your faith and your imaginary god, like uh, Bill Maher, whoever you know. And that's where they're at. That's fine. That's we're, we live in the country together. Don't hurt me. I don't hurt you. If you don't want to go to church and want to believe anything, that's fine. You can you can do that. But I like that Pence does that. But I'm just saying, there's people who don't. It's not. It's not everybody's gonna love what you what you say. If, if someone's Muslim, they might not want to hear that. If someone's Jewish and don't believe that Jesus is God, and that that's fine. I mean, that's 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 their prerogative. I enjoy, I like that when I hear that. And uh, by the way, by the way, Willie Mike, Mike Pence, I just want to give him a shout out. And <laughs>
2: he gave one of the most articulate, eloquent answers on pro-life that i've ever heard a politician give Uh, a lot of a lot of times when democrats start to trap republicans into talking about women's choice and kane did that he kept saying Mm -hmm. you know why don't you trust women to choose why don't you trust women to choose why don't you trust women to choose and mike pence said i thought very eloquently that we live in a country that takes care of people who can't defend themselves and that's the sick the elderly and the unborn Right. And I want to continue living in a country like that. And I thought that was a really eloquent answer. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think Christians do have to accept the political reality that sometimes when culture changes, you're not going to legislate that away. So right. if culture has started to accept certain things, um, I don't think you can always legislate it away by electing someone. But I do think um, his answer was really eloquent. And I thought was the first time I've heard a politician Defend their
0: principles in a very articulate way. Right. Uh, I thought the same way. And then, and, and came was in a bind. I mean, he's, he's a Catholic. Is that what he is? He's some Yeah. I mean, I think he's Catholic. And so he's in there having to defend uh, this thing. And then the ultimate, he's hanging everything on just let women choose. I mean, just basically shuck the issue and say let women choose. And so, and I, I, I here's my thing. We, if you could, if, if you, if you went on that, uh, philosophy then you we we stop other people from choosing when they're doing negative things immoral things illegal things don't we stop them and say uh, you don't have the choice because what you're doing is not right so like, we stop other people's choice, you know. You could say, well, just let them choose if they want to do something. Just get hammered and drive home. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's let, my choice. Let me choose. I, I want to drive drunk. That's I what like I like it. doing. No, you don't have that choice, you know. And so you just don't have that choice. There's other options. Let's sit down and figure out some other options for this. But, uh, Reed, we've we have, uh we got to roll because uh mostly I've got to go – drive an hour and get my wallet and go deer hunting uh but uh that is why we bring you on because uh you are very smart and uh you know politics and uh um, you know i just appreciate your opinions and observations and you like me i mean i watch things i want to learn i want to figure it out and you know uh and try our best to to impact things that we can but you made a great point because jesus did not come in here saying Let's just get the right governors in. Let's do this. May we convert the guy running Rome, and we can all be Christians. We saw later on in history that that actually happened, where you have the leader who is a Christian. Then he forces everybody to get baptized, which is not the idea. That's not what Jesus was trying to do. He started on the lowest level. He must have been Southern <laughs> there was. He started on the lowest level He had a woman at the well, ironically, that was caught in adultery, and he sits and he protects her. He starts with uh, uh, a wee little man. He starts with a fisherman. He starts at the lowest level of people that, you know, job-wise, status-wise, and he constantly said, that's how we're going to change the world amazingly he literally changed the world starting on that level he had no money like bill o'reilly says all the time he had no money he had no media he had no fame he had no celebrity he had nothing and two thousand years later we're still talking about this person that walked the earth and uh who i believe was god in flesh and uh it gives me hope and it, when i see situations like this i think wow there is a way there is a way uh that that God provides a way for us when we do sin because Mike Pence said it. We all fall short of the glory of God. And uh and we all have to remember that because our sins don't seem as bad as others when we see them do it or you hear it. And uh but they're just as bad. Jesus went all the way to the heart of people <laughs> and he said, Oh, you can't do this. How about if you, even if you think about it, you're just as bad? Then it's like, Oh no, I can't even think about that and so uh he had a way of challenging us and make us better, but uh uh, Reed thank you for your comments I hope all is well in LA I'll call later uh, Reed has multiple businesses and uh, 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 wife that has businesses and um, you guys are an inspiration uh, I'm glad to call you my friends and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon and uh, we got another debate so uh, uh, we'll see how this uh, politics flows but 30 more days of drama
2: guys you guys have a, y'all guys have happy happy hunting
0: all right brother all right see you, Reed all right, that was Reed Dickens, uh, used to work for George W. Bush, and uh, just a guy who has a lot of insight. I always listen, love talking to him, and uh, we debate things. We don't always agree, either. We'll, we'll get on things, <laughs> so we'll argue. And uh, typically we start texting after these big things in politics and uh, get, get his opinion. But uh, he's actually from Monroe, Louisiana, uh, and I'm, of course, from West Monroe, Louisiana, uh, but we never knew each other when we were younger. Uh, didn't meet until after Duck Dynasty. And uh, good guy, good insight. And uh, and he already had given a speech. So I called him today. I said, Reed, I want to talk about this politics because everybody's talking about it. And uh, just get some perspective. And I'm thrown into this because of my faith and because of what I believe. And people are like, oh, surely now you're going to ditch him yet? I'm like, I don't ditch. I mean, what kind of friend am I if I just ditch you when you did something wrong? I'm not a very good friend, right? Bad friend. I mean, it's not a good friend. I mean, so I'm there. I don't care what it is. If you end up in prison, I have been to federal prisons with my friends who did stupid things and end up going to prison. Guess what? I'm still there. I'm not leaving. All right? I'm not leaving you, and uh, that's what my faith teaches me to do. So... We always end this with a Bible verse, and uh, you may be wondering how would how would you watch that debate, and what would that verse be? And it was uh, it actually came from the lesson that I mentioned that I did yesterday uh, down in Allah Church, uh, and it was in it's in Philippians, and um, and I love this because he's right, uh, who's right. Paul's writing um, to the church at Philippi, and he's really just encouraging them, and he's just saying, man, you guys, and he's so proud of them and how they're growing. This church was doing so good, and uh, that he had been working with. And so he writes him a letter, and these are the letters that we that we read after, you know, basically after the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. It's a bunch of letters uh, written to churches, and uh, a lot of them, not all of them. Uh, and this one, he says, uh, in the first chapter, he says, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. And so, I hope that for our politicians, I hope that for Mr. Trump, I hope that for secretary clinton um that they grow in love which you didn't say a lot of that last night but i hope that they grow in that and that they grow in every kind of discernment the problems of this world are really um they're really complicated to fix some of these things um the simplicity of jesus saying love more that's one thing but what are you gonna do when isis is chopping off somebody's head um it seems like far away from us, but it's really not that far. It's on the same planet. What do we do? We've got sex trafficking. We've got, we've got an economy that's in the tank. We're in debt. We, I mean, so you think about, you take this country and you put that in the perspective of your household. If you're in debt, if you have squabbles, if you're fighting, if you're, you bring sin in there, you've got the past, you know, it can be miserable. And so my hope is in, the Lord, my hope is in Jesus Christ. It's something that I cannot see. I can only see it when I see it in other people. And so it's very tricky that he asked for our faith uh, to believe in this crazy thing that he did. I believe it. I'm putting my hope in it. I'm putting everything I have in it. And uh, it's worked well, like I said, for our family. it's worked. That's what gets us out of these dark times in our life, these things that are said, these sins and things that we do. And so we love each other, and I can only see it manifested through their and I have faith in that. And that's what I'm putting my hope in. So in the midst of all this crazy politics and everything else, I'm telling you there's hope. And um, we're going to keep making little funny TV shows to put a smile on your face. But just know this. There's something way bigger there uh, where it's coming from. I enjoy the platform. enjoy talking to you guys. See you next time. <laughs>